0: You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, politics, security, and more. I'm Jeff Rafke, President of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome, all of our listeners, to this episode of The Zeitgeist. We are recording on March 28th, which is the day after the state elections um, in the Saarland. One of the great things about uh, Germany is that there's always an election just around the corner. Uh, They are a constant barometer of political trends, or at least they're passed off as such. So today we are here to talk about a particularly special election, the one that took place uh, on March 27th in Saarland. Germany's smallest state, if we leave aside the city-states, nestled on the border with Luxembourg and France. Uh, I'm here with AICGS uh, senior fellow and director of our society, culture, and politics program, Dr. Eric Langenbacher, and AICGS non-resident senior fellow, Klaus-Dieter Frankenberger, who until recently was the uh, senior commentator and uh, previously foreign editor of the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung. So uh, thanks uh, Eric and Klaus for being with us today.
1: Sure, good to be with you. So
0: the, the, first, the first thing, um, uh, you know, we, we, can, uh, we know there's going to be a change of government uh, in Saarbrücken and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, but Klaus, let me start with you. Is this a pretty good morning if you're Olaf Scholz?
1: It's a good morning. Uh, I don't know if it's a really spectacular morning, but it's a good morning. He's getting some tailwinds. This is the first test since he has uh, come into office in December. Uh, his party, the Day, which a lot of commentators had already are seen uh, take to the woodshed uh, last year, recover again strongly, also in the solid. The party is up some uh, 14 percentage points. This is for German circumstances, uh, stances, an earthquake result. Uh, so it's good for him. Uh, it's the first test uh, since February 27th. Remember the big Zeitwender speech he gave in the Bundestag, first test in our uh, office leadership uh, in the Russian-Ukraine war. And so to, to recover strongly, uh, regain the, the premiership of, even though it's a small state, that is good news for a party that has not seen too many uh, uh, electoral victories in recent years. Well, they have re- recovered, they have regained the chancellorship in Berlin, and now the first election after roughly three and a half months is a good thing for him.
0: Okay. So I think we'll we'll get we'll come back to these uh, some of these national uh, trends. But Eric, let's uh, turn and let's talk about what what exactly happened um, yesterday. What what kind of a result um, uh, did did uh, did we see from your point of view?
2: Well, I mean, we saw an absolute triumph of the Social Democrats. I mean, to reiterate what Klaus Dieter said, uh, an absolute majority in uh, any German election is almost unprecedented in this day and age. Uh, there hasn't been that kind of resolve for quite some time. I think that speaks to the quality of the candidate in uh, Zalan. I think it also speaks to the, the problems that the CDU incumbent minister president had to get kind of to um, paper over some of the fissures within the party. I mean, let's not forget that, that the CDU has gone through how many leaders in the last couple of years uh, there's a massive split between those that want a more conservative direction and those that want, I guess, a more centrist direction. And I think that came back to kind of haunt the CDU there. But let's also not forget the other parties, right? The, the, the left- Let part- me interrupt
0: you there for just a second, Eric, just to throw out the, the numbers uh, on the, the table. So the Social Democrats won 43.5% of the vote, which when you add everything up, uh, because some parties don't make it into the parliament, that actually translates to a an absolute majority under the current um, projections or the current tabulations. So um, again, as Klaus said, of fourteen percentage points. So uh, so that just puts a few numbers on this, you know, real real massive shift that you were you were talking about. Um,
2: uh, it, so go on. Right, and the CDU lost twelve percent of the vote, which is just uh, absolutely stunning. Uh, but what I wanted to to Uh, really emphasize is the collapse of the left party. Uh, The left party had a really bad Bundestag election back in September and barely scraped their way into the Bundestag. But now in the Saarland, which was one of their only bastions in the West, you know, they didn't even make it into the um, the, uh, uh, state parliament this time. Um, Again, the left party has been struggling for a long time to kind of redefine itself. Uh, The fact that the SPD... Is perhaps going a little closer back to its roots, means that they're kind of taking the wind out of the left party sails. But I thought that was really uh, quite interesting. It's also uh, fascinating, you know, that five percent threshold is really still quite the thing in German politics. So the FDP didn't make it in and it looks like the Greens didn't make it in. Although that's one of the closest results I've ever seen. It's like 4.9532, and there's something like 23 votes that they need to actually make it over that 5% threshold. Yeah, and and just to to
0: jump in there um, for for the detail-oriented listeners, um, there is a process of verifying and certifying the final result. That is probably not going to be done until the middle of next week. That is, uh, you know, the early days of April. So um, so it's possible that upon the, the verification of all the votes that maybe an additional 23 votes for the greens will pop up in which case they would enter. But right now we're looking at a state parliament with only three parties in it. Um, uh, that's the SPD, the CDU and the AFD, which squeaked
1: in.
2: Yeah, yeah just on the, on the AFD note for a second, they actually lost half a percentage point compared to the last election. But they still made it over the 5% threshold and 5.7% of the vote with uh, three seats in the 51-member state legislature, which, by the way, is also the smallest uh, uh, in Germany. So, yeah, it's, a, it's I think, quite a, a surprising outcome, to be completely honest. Um, and we'll, I guess we'll talk about the national implications later on. But, um, yeah, I mean, good for uh, the SPDA. Yeah, Jeff. And so that, and just
1: add one point, if I may. The the emphasis um, Eric put on the collapse of the of, of the radical left—that's absolutely correct. Or it's intra-party, intra—the disputes within the party. Uh, there is a lot of infighting going on, bad blood all over the place. But the more fundamental thing—it's more than that. A lot of their voters have moved over to the hard right. Yes, from the hard left to the hard right the party seems to lose everywhere, East and West, and even where for the three mandates, the Linka had gained in the Bundestag election directly by the first vote, it wouldn't be in the Bundestag. by yeah. now.
0: I, I, I want to come back to the because I think it is, it is an interesting um, uh, case in this, uh, in this particular election, but l- let's switch gears for a second. And that is uh, uh, Klaus, if, if, if someone is sitting in Washington or Berlin um, and the question is, so what? Um, it, you know, what, what does it mean, uh, this, this election, and is this in any way really a referendum on the Schultz government? Of course, the SPD is happy um, uh, across Germany today, but um, is there any reason to believe that Schultz's handling of the Russia crisis or of the COVID um, emergency or economic factors, uh, that, that they played a serious role in this outcome? Is this a proxy for something bigger?
1: Uh, we will know this. Ans- the, the answer to your question, which is a very valid one, in two months when we have the state elections in, in the North, in Schleswig-Holstein, and in the Ruhr Valley, the big prize in German politics. But I would say yes to some extent the salon has become a little of the, a bellwether state in german politics remembered five years ago when the martin Schulz train was in you know, leaving or triumphantly the station then it entered Saarbrücken main station and it collapsed and he was over within two months uh, yes there's there's a sense of stability that that schultz can draw from this from last sunday if if I were in Washington, you talk to people in Washington, you know what the fuss is about the state election in the Salon, the tiniest state of in the world. Well, well, it provides some sense of stability. It's support of the Chancellor's party, in a to an extent we haven't seen for long. And exactly as you said, uh, this is the first election in in. Uh, for for the ample coalition it's the first election and a win and a big win first win in the in the russian crisis and the right during the after russia launched the invasion big win it's the first election then see they changed tactics over the corona pri- um, crisis and pan- pandemic and it's not a loss so all of that it's a little bit of a random and and as such it's a good thing for the party the opposite is true for the conservative, for the Christian Democrats.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, th- there's been some, uh, some quite good public opinion uh, uh, polling uh, around this election. And, and one thing that really stuck out uh, for me, um, when voters in Saarland in were asked what their top concerns were, what the main issues were um, in this election, number one was jobs, Number two was infrastructure, and this is a region that is kind of economically structurally weak. Um, it's sort of uh, it,
1: it
0: previously a heavily industrial,
1: um, and, uh, and it is still, in some extent, an industrial place. And yeah, this is an, and this is one of the reasons, as it has still a manufacturing character, that the blue collar vote is relatively strong. That we can still speak of two Volksparteien, the Social Democrats, the Christian Democrats. And nothing, and nothing else, basically. No yeah. Greens, no FDP, the German liberals. They all are all somewhere else in small numbers. Though the old parties that shaped and, and managed the German politics are still strong. And this is a, 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 a industrial and manufacturing niche state that has all the trappings of an industrial our, of industrial politics it's about employment it's about a little bit about welfare, it's infrastructure and our how do we get to school uh, it's not the, the curricula as such but you know the ordinary days of life bread and butter issues matter the most
0: yeah and I, and I think it's important to note that on on those two issues jobs and infrastructure, voters overwhelmingly, um, uh, assessed the Social Democrats to have more competence to be more aligned with their views. So, so more you,
1: sympathy toward them.
0: Yeah, um, in a sense. Uh, one, one, I, I want to pivot also to the you know the CDU's uh, loss here, which is the uh, the flip side of, of the SPD's victory. And um, you know th- this is historically bad. The Christian Democrats have never done so poorly in ZARLAND as they did yesterday. Um, uh, the minister president, the incumbent minister president Tobias Hans, actually, you know, was uh, had had decent approval ratings uh, in in his own state. Um, yet he was uh, voted out of office. So, is this? Uh, I'll throw this open to either Eric or Klaus. Um, did he lose this election on his own, or is this attributable, as Eric was alluding earlier, to the turmoil that has existed within the CDU and with the CSU in Bavaria, uh, about party leadership, about who would be the chancellor candidate, all these things that have really roiled um, the center-right for the last three years.
2: Well, maybe I'll jump in uh, really quickly on on that. I mean, I think that it's a combination of both factors to be completely honest. Uh, Let's also not forget that the CDU has run the Zalan for I think 20 years at this point. And so maybe there was this, sense amongst the electorate that, you know, it's also time for a change. It's time to, you know, throw the rascals out, uh, as the Brits like to say, for for a while at least. Uh, There were a couple of missteps that Hans made here and there along uh, in the campaign. Um, So there's that consideration. But I think this also speaks to, I really like the point that uh, uh, Klaus and and you, Jeff, were, were kind of making about bread and butter issues and things like that. And it makes me think that uh, the CDU is going to have a, a bigger challenge on their hands than maybe they suspect about how they're going to be able to recalibrate their economic message going forward. That the old kind of like neoliberal platitudes that especially people like Friedrich Merz have seemed to like, maybe that's just not going to resonate that much more with uh, the German electorate.
1: So I'd be, very,
2: true. I'd, I'd be very interested to see how they're going to um, make their profile sharper um, and more resonant with voters going forward. Klaus, can you expand on that a little bit? How much of a warning signal is this to Friedrich Meretz, even if
0: it wasn't a rebuke to his chairmanship? I would say,
1: I would say our, our Eric hit the nail right on its head. Um, this is our, our, a, manufacturing, uh, a manufacturing state. Still it is, uh, even though in constant change and, and work over and turnover and stuff, almost like a Midwestern state in the U.S., but on a much more tiny scale. Our, the personality of the incumbent didn't fare too well with the people. He was not elected in 27. He just took over from the retiring state prime minister, uh, Kram Kahnbauer, who moved on over to Berlin. Our, and he wa- he is, let me be very cynical and blunt, he was a weakling. Our, unsteady in his, pol- his policy attitudes when it came to Corona. Our, he is not an impressive person he has now the decency probably to to resign from office um, and in a time when people look for stability and and continuity they looked more to the SPD. there was no incumbency bonus whatsoever the contrary was an onus it was bad for for for, uh, for the for the cdu and and the 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 salon is a kind of social political or organism that does not favor the politics of a Friedrich Metz who is aspiring uh, appealing more to an electorate in neighboring Baden-Württemberg maybe in the state of Hesse maybe in the state of Lower Saxony but not in the Saarland you know blue-collar types of voters social conservative but welfare oriented are that's not the kind of uh, voter. That's not the kind of milieu that really would root for for Friedrich Merz. And it's exactly as Eric has said. Are, he must recalibrate probably more his messages, his core, his core principles in terms of how to put it, put them in practice than he may have believed. It is, it's certainly not a good beginning. It's the big set, uh, uh, setback, I don't know, but it's not a good beginning either. Let me put it this way, it's somewhere, something of the middle.
0: Yeah, um, and, and you, you mentioned already, Klaus, that uh, in May, um, so in six weeks or so, um, we have two uh, more significant state elections uh, on the slate. These are in um, Schleswig-Holstein in the the north uh, and uh, North Rhine-Westphalia in uh, Germany's largest and most prosperous state. Both of these states are governed right now by uh, CDU minister presidents. Um, And and so the the fate in those two states will will be more significant perhaps uh, not only in assessing the direction German politics is taking um, uh, at, uh, nationally, uh, but also in, as it may have, for the CDU's uh, policies and especially for Friedrich Merz, uh and how he approaches his leadership of the CDU. How, how much, how transferable do you think the, the, the experience of the Saarland election will be for North Rhine-Westphalia or for Schleswig-Holstein?
1: I would think that the... Uh... Are, the consensus would be that the CDU candidate in the north in Schleswig Holstein will come through. He will win.
0: That's Daniel Günther, by the way. Yes. There, yeah, there. Daniel Günther.
1: Uh, he is or, uh, more centrist than most other CDU politicians. Uh, he's leading a, a stable government, which is highly appreciated by the voters. But of course, the big price is not on with, with failure. And here we will see. Uh, and the SPD thinks they have a good chance of regaining their and and regaining their old stronghold. This is the as they say the the heart chamber of the Social democrat. They' really well at the heart chamber. Uh, it's uh, they have seen ups and downs or lost considerable recent years, but now they have a foot in the door, and they will put all the campaign tools, resources into this election. This will be, Uh, to regain it will be for them phenomenal. Let me add one thing. They have done, they repeated the exercise of last year's in the tiny state of solid. They campaigned hard and they campaigned well. They Mm -hmm. campaigned hard and came well. The conservatives didn't even uh, send their best horses in the state in the past weeks. They gave it up. They had given up. They did not anticipate such a disastrous result, but they had given up on it.
0: Yeah, um, so looking at the national balance, Eric, um, you know, until yesterday, you had this sort of parity uh, at the national level with seven minister presidents from the SPD, seven from the CDU or CSU. Um, and um, and now this is shifting and it could shift even further, especially if the, if the SPD wins in North Rhine-Westphalia um, if we look ahead to 2023, there are a couple of other um, CDU-led states that have elections where the CDU could be vulnerable. I'm thinking in particular about Hesse, where there's a cha- there will be a change in the, in the state party leadership. Um, uh, and even in Bavaria, they, there's a challenge there like they've never faced before. Um, so what's the significance of this kind of stacked deck that the, that the center-right is up against and the what could be seen like a, um, uh, an open road for the social Democrats?
2: I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, next year is a, 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 a millennium in political time. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen with uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and, and uh, the corresponding changes to uh, German policy. That could have a big wow. effect on the relative Uh, popularity of the various parties. So I'd be very skeptical to think too far in the future. But um, I had a couple of thoughts on um, North Rhine-Westphalia as well, um, as well as uh, Schleswig-Holstein. I mean, uh, the CDU is still leading in the polls in North Rhine-Westphalia. And in fact, they're only down about a point from their uh, uh, last result, I guess, back in, in 20, was it 2018 when the last, or 2017 when the last election was. Right. The, the SPD is um, down about 4% from their 2017 um, uh, uh, results. So um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that there will be a change in government, right? Because uh, right now they have a, a bourgeois government in um, North Rhine-Westphalia with the CDU and the FDP. The FDP is actually not doing very well at all in that state as well as in Schleswig-Holstein, I might add as well. So uh, maybe that's something else to take into consideration how the smaller parties are doing. I had one other thought that I wanted to bring up, getting back to Saland for a second, which was also kind of a thought out of the Bundestag election last year as well. And that is the surprising number of uh, voters, especially younger voters, that are opting for none of the above, right? When, when we're dealing with, you know, eight, nine, 10% of the... Electorate choosing other parties, whether it's the free voters, whether it's, you know, a, a satirical party or whatever. I find that to be very um, unsettling, uh, especially given that, uh, you know, Germans at the state level and at the national level have five, six wow. parties that they can choose from now. So I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm increasingly worried about why, uh, despite all these options, so many voters are still opting for, you know, the other category. And things like that. So I don't know. Um, we'll see. North Rhine-Westphalia will be the really important test, where we'll be able to, to to judge if this is going to be a social democratic decade, or at least half decade, uh, or if it's going to be more balanced the way that German politics has been for the last couple of cycles. I think. Yeah. So so let's uh, let's let's dive back into the Zirlein for a second because it's a it's a fascinating
0: little place in population of about. What around? A, I think less, less than a million. Less, less than a million voters, that's for sure. Um, less than a million
1: inhabitants.
0: Oh, okay. So tiny um, in a country of eighty-two million or so inhabitants. Um, but nevertheless, you know, a lot of people from Saarland play a pretty significant role nationally. It's already been mentioned that the previous minister president uh, Annegret kramp Karrenbauer, uh, she left Saarland to become the CDU. Uh, uh, well, secretary general, then she was the chair of the party. She was defense minister um, and uh, has now stepped back from politics. Also the former economics minister, Peter Altmaier. Um, uh, and uh, of course, we talked about uh, Die Linke, the left party, and Oscar Lafontaine is uh, is, is some, something to talk about there as well. He had been uh, the chairman of the SPD uh, and, and finance minister uh, before he defected and, uh, and helped form the left party. So, in a way, the, the Saarlanders are sort of like the Scots of uh, of German politics, you know, they play this outsized role relative to, to their size. Um, Heiko
1: Maas, the foreign minister, and the previous- Heiko Maas, moment.
0: the foreign minister, exactly. Not to
1: speak of Erich Honecker, the leader of the of the data <laughs> air D- of East Germany. <laughs>
0: now, that's one I did not, I did not remember. Uh, now that, that, I'm, I'm glad we've got you here, Klaus. Um, so, so if we look at, uh, for example, the, the collapse of the left party, um, you know, they, they lost 10 points. Uh, they went from 13% to two and a half percent. That's pretty amazing. But I wonder, of course, that has something to do with Oscar LaFontaine who was the minister president of Saarland. He, he was a, a larger than life figure in some ways in Saarland. In um, so as he's left the scene, Um, there's naturally a loss that happens. But is is it also possible that D-Linka is on the way to national irrelevance, like you were saying, Klaus, Um, because their support is dropping. Um, The SPD has a lineup that can appeal to um, not only center-left, but more left-to-leaning voters now. is it, it could we be on the verge of some reconsolidation of um of the of the left part of the party spectrum?
1: Well, Eric mentioned the fragmentation in the party system, to which I only would add that two four a uh, three fourth of the electorate went to two parties, the SPD and to to the Christian Democrats. I would think yes, the it is very likely that the the linker is on its long way of becoming irrelevant uh, on a lot of places it still uh, controls the, the the state premiership in the state of Thuringia, but it loses in the east loses considerable in the east a lot of their voters or have have gone from our hot left to hot right our demographic changes they they lose among the young the young go everywhere, as Eric has mentioned, um, particularly to the Greens and the FDP in the other states, which are not our uh, solid structure, or which have no, no, not the solid structural profile. Um, we see. Well, I, I'm really surprised how strong the SPD has done. I must say, we were saying our, our goodbye, SPD. You will be relegated to. To to the second league to third league, you know, don't you no longer play Champions League with the big guys, which is not seems the voters have you know proven this these predictions wrong. Uh, I was one of those who also uh, were thinking how how relevant has us bec- become the Day and the uh, and you have a good can and if you have a good candidate, if the whole if all the the stars are in place, and if so to speak the voters are more in, interested in bread and butter issues in our in economic stability and trust then it all co- co- combines and then you they get make at what 43.5% that's almost unbelievable it's almost unbelievable given uh, the track record of the SPD in, in recent years. If they had, you know, the SPD in the na- on the national level gained uh, 26, 26%, and this was almost a miracle, no? Due to the self-destruction of the CDU. Uh, there's a good chance you have consolidation here, fragmentation there, and uh, to put it in a nutshell, uh, in one year, incumbency plays well in another year it doesn't play at all our voter volatility is high if the uh, this year voter participation was lower than last time so obviously our the the tato the, the did gain from that as but again from all the factors that were in play are well this could be something and i'm Yes, uh, Eric, you said this failure. That say to you, the, the tr- is still in favor to win. Let me put it this way: I would not bet on a victory by the by the day, but I wouldn't be surprised either. Mm-hmm.
0: Eric, what about? Um, well, any
2: further thoughts about uh, Um well, um, no, I'm, I'm personally glad that they're petering out because I, I I felt like their 19th century ideology was no longer that relevant for the 21st century. So, you know, I think that overall, this can be good for German politics, but there were a couple other things that I wanted to kind of mention. Um, and going back to the CDU, right? I, I really can't help but think that the next decade really is going to belong to the center left. Um, you cannot, doing, you cannot. They're doing, they're doing better with, uh, women voters. Like the CDU has a massive problem with women right now. I was just reading a headline that uh, um, Julia Klöckner is stepping down. So, uh, I mean, the CDU has like very few, if any, visible women in positions of authority or potential authority. I should also point out that with um, Rehlinger's win in Saarland, that means that there'll be four women minister presidents uh, at the state level in Germany, all SPD women. Mm. So, I mean, the, the CDU uh, in the post-Miracle era um, is really going to have problems if they can't find a way to reach out to women voters a little bit more. And the SPD, as well as the Greens, have seemed to find um, what resonates with, you know, more than half of the electorate. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring the, the gender uh, dimension up as well.
1: I also find it remarkable that we we're we talking here for about half an hour and that's the first time that's that one of us brought up the name merkel because we're still in the post merkel era and we're still seeing so to speak the heritage of the merkel years our debris here for others you know a lot of voters a lot of, Mo, of, of merkel voters are still looking for new places to 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 to, to go to SPD the, for SPD for most for and for most the the preferred uh, preferred destination and the same in the solid most voters that had aban- abandoned their old party affiliation at the polls went to the SPD. Same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I think we we we've set a few uh, a, a few mileposts here. Um, we've got um, crucial. Uh, further uh, barometric readings to be taken in in May uh, after the elections. I think it's uh, May 8th in Schleswig Holstein and uh, May 15th in North Rhine-Westphalia. Um, uh, so we will we will be able to track um, whether this trend uh, of of SPD uh, gains continues uh, and what that might what that might mean. And then of course the um, the big the big thing to watch is the the degree to which Olaf Scholz's chancellorship um, is able to propel um, the SPD to further gains, perhaps, um, uh, or um, whether uh, whether there are uh, messages uh, that are sent by uh, by voters in these states that lead to course correctives. One of the things that stood out to me was, um, you know among the top five issues in Saarland, uh, one of those was prices, essentially inflation. Um, I think we're a little further ahead um, and we've got a higher inflation rate here in the United States uh, than, than exists in Germany, but um, you know, it's, uh, there's a similar phenomenon. Uh, you know, inflation has now become this um, you know, gripping issue um, in, the United, in US politics. Uh, of course, uh, there is a historical uh, sensitivity to this in Germany. And as the, as the economy is influenced by the Russian war in Ukraine and Germany's and the European and transatlantic response to it, um, it will be another issue to watch um, how, how these concerns about economic day-to-day stability um, uh, uh, influence and then feed back into the political um, feedback loop.
1: Well, On that note, um, I would can I say one thing? Yes. Can I say please, Jeff? Can I say one thing? Uh, We forgot all of us to mention so far the state election in Lower Saxony in October. Why do I mention this? Because it's the third uh, state election in this year, and and then we are over with this little cycle. But um, Lower Saxony is important uh, next to other things that is important for because Lower Saxon is the home of home of Gerhard Schröder, and a lot of other leading social Democrats who had a history and still have a history of being very close to Russia, of being for political reasons, economic reasons, including the state prime minister. Our, our Klingbeil, the SPD chairman uh, was, you had heard in the past, not now, but in the past, very sympathetic our words vis-a-vis Russia and the importance of the dialogue and the import the trade is and how important Nord Stream two is, and this may be all on the table. This may be an issue in the fall. We don't know how the outcome of this war is that may play a role more significant than probably any other role that we can mm-hmm. and uh, issue we may think of.
0: Yeah, well, that's a, that's certainly an issue to uh, uh, that I think we we will want to come back to. And you're you're right that um, you know of course it is the home of Gerhard Schroeder and. Uh, Gerhard Schroeder has really fallen into um, disfavor across um, the Social Democratic Party, including in his home state, most notably. Um, And and Lars Klingbeil, in his current position as chairman uh, of the SPD, um, has really initiated a reassessment of the party's approach to Russia and and its international positioning more generally. So I think these are things that um, are going to be definitely uh, uh, on, on our radar, and I I look forward to coming back to those and and assessing them in more detail um, because they're they're crucial uh, for Germany's self conception, for the partnership between the United States and Germany, uh, and and for the effectiveness of uh, of Western diplomacy. Um, well, um, uh, Klaus, let me thank you, Eric. Thank you as well for spending this time with us and. I want to thank our listeners for, uh, for tuning in or downloading or streaming whatever your uh, preferred method is. And we look forward to having you with us again soon on the next episode of The Zeitgeist. Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast produced by the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Send us your feedback by email to info at AICGS.org or catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AICGS. Don't forget to check out AICGS.org for more information from today's episode. Auf Wiederhören.